Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to everyone who's been subscribing, I've been noticing, and thanks for leaving the comments, by the way. I really enjoy reading the comments. If you want to become one of those people, you can do so by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. If you want to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. And if you want to keep in touch, do so on Twitter at boogie bumper. So... Another great day, another fantastically fun day on the interwebs and the 45th president, Donald Trump, doesn't fail to impress. <laughs> Look, one of the appealing things, I think, to a lot of people, let's not even make this a left and a right thing. We already know, we've, we've discussed this so many times, we know that Donald Trump broke the mold. He, he won over the blue wall states. He appealed to first-time voters who would have considered themselves Democrats previously. We know this. We have all of this data. We know a section of the Bernie crowd came over to the MAGA train, if not uh, during the election, then certainly after it. And, you know, you could argue that they were brought over by their, by their hatred of Hillary Clinton. But I think what... You know, when, when people think about the principles of Western civilization and the things that really strike home, the fundamental cornerstones of this ongoing experiment called Western civilization, one of the pillars being free speech, of course. And one of the things that appealed, I think, to a lot of people, including myself, even, you know, three years ago when President Trump was just candidate Trump was the fact that he represents an existential threat to the dogmatic, all-encompassing sort of brain cancer, intellectual brain cancer of political correctness. Political correctness is a kind of abstract, volatile, abstract concept which is always veiled in deception. You know, the inference, the implication being that it's just about being nice to people. And we know that that's a complete and utter fraud because so many of the people who suggest that society needs to adhere to this doctrine of political correctness have absolutely no qualms whatsoever insulting people. They, they'll insult Christians, they'll insult anybody on the other, you know, anybody who is ideologically opposed to them. And again, that might not be left or right, but that just might be people who love liberty, who love freedom, who love individual liberty. And why I think more, probably more than anything else, more than immigration, more than taxation, more than regulation, more than trade, more than getting out of the Paris Climate Accord, more than getting out of the TPP, more than securing the southern border. More than all of those things, I, I think one can make the argument that the most important battlefront for Battalion Trump is 
the evisceration of political correctness. And the reason is this. Without that, nothing else is possible. Do you think it's easy to introduce strict immigration policy in an environment that is tilled with political correctness, tainted with political correctness? Of course not. You know, you know the answer. Anytime you raise a suggestion, you'll be branded a racist and shut up. We must not give racist platforms and so on. What about taxation in the era of political correctness? Well, you're just trying to rip money away from poor people. How dare you? No platform. Out you go. Right? So as long as political correctness is the controlling dogma of the day, it it restricts and constricts any, you know, a whole a multitude of possible arguments from entering the public square. And that's why it has to disappear. And that's why Donald Trump is Western civilization's best chance in a long time to do long-lasting and severe damage to that dogma. And it's not about, you know, liking tweets or finding things funny or just wanting to insult people. It's about respecting the foundations upon which Western civilization is built. Political correctness stands as a kind of pseudo pseudo loophole on the question of free speech. And you don't even have to make it law. A lot of it's done through protocol and policy. Guidelines, policy guidelines, protocol guidelines in education, in entertainment, in the media. Sure, there's no law against saying what you want to say, but we just strongly advise that you don't do it. Otherwise, I'm sure you can find another job, right? Along those lines. And I think for far too long, the people who consider themselves to be the torchbearers for this anti-intellectual, anti-Western dogma of political correctness have basically used it as a kind of rolling battle tank across the field of rhetorical battle. Like a protective shield that they'll hold up in front of themselves and then launch hand grenades from behind. So if you take the Stormy Daniels incident, for instance, which has been all the rage on Twitter today, well, let's go back a day. Look at Elizabeth Warren. Now, if you jump on her Twitter feed, you will see all sorts of insults thrown at Donald Trump from all sorts of angles. And one pushback in her direction. Ah, racist. See, the, the, the working reality of political correctness is if you are on the side of the PC police, you can do whatever you want. You can insult whoever you want. You can offend as much as you want. But you, you believe you are protected because of your own sensibility shield and those you believe it covers. You can launch grenades, but you can't get hit. Of course, it's a fraud because when somebody tears up this paper tiger, they absolutely can't handle it. They can't control themselves. They go into meltdown. So this was a tweet exemplifying this very thing. 
Donald Trump earlier today, quote, federal judge throws out Stormy Daniels lawsuit versus Trump. <laughs> Trump is entitled to full legal fees. Fox News. Great. Now I can go after Horseface and her third rate lawyer in the great state of Texas. She will confirm the letter she signed. She knows nothing about me. A total con. <laughs> so, of course, right? <laughs> I mean, what he's doing here is obvious. Horseface, the third rate lawyer, he doesn't care. Now, this is the response from Stormy Daniels. She quotes Donald Trump's tweet and writes this Ladies and gentlemen, may I present your president? In addition to his um shortcomings, he has demonstrated his incompetence, hatred of women. There, there it is, right? That's that's the PC nerve kicking in. That's the re- reactionary reflex of someone taking the politically correct hammer and tapping it on your kneecap and your foot flying up in the air at 100 miles an hour. That's the reaction. Oh, he hates all women. And lack of self-control on Twitter, again, and perhaps a penchant for bestiality. Game on, Tiny. (laughs) Now, of course, this is coming from the woman who basically has made a second career out of describing what the president's penis looks like. She has no problem offending people. I mean, whether whether you have a moral or ethical objection against her chosen line of work, that's in, that's entirely up to you. That's your own personal decision. I'm not going to get involved in that. But I know that it's, it's offensive to a lot of people. <laughs> her career choice. She doesn't mind offending people. Obviously. And we spoke about this yesterday, this tactic that has been used over and over again for years and years and years. And they're still using it. I can only assume that they're still using it because there's no plan B. Like, to use a sports analogy, they're on the field, they're out there on the field, and they've been winning for three quarters of the game, and they're up 40 nil. And then in the last quarter, the other team gets back and, you know, runs all, all the way over the top of them. They've figured out their playbook. And the score's back to about 35 to 40, and there's still five minutes to go. And the quarterback and the coach are sitting there going, gee, we're getting absolutely slaughtered. What do we do? Grab the playbook. And they open it up and it's just one play. And it just says politically, politically correct responses on it. PC. And that's it. And, you know, the quarterback's like, haven't we got anything else? What do we do? The coach is like, this is our only play. We, we thought this play would win the game. We thought this is all we needed. We thought this is all we had to do forever. So this, this concept we touched on yesterday where they attack and attack and attack and attack and on the slightest bit, bit of pushback, the, the hands go up in the air, there's people fainting. Oh, my God, I'm a victim now. His hatred of women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are very cheap lines here and I won't go there, but to be honest... Don't don't you think it's a little ridiculous for the woman who is claiming to have had sex with this guy to be bashing him on Twitter and talking about how much he hate how much he hates women? It's like, yes, Stormy, but you still slept with him. So <laughs> you know. 
are your standards even lower than one may assume? Or what's happening here? Was it some kind of Jedi mind trick? How the hell did you end up in bed with this guy then? And if you ended up in bed with him, despite knowing this, but despite having this opinion about his hatred of women and his incompetence and his lack of self-control and penchant for bestiality, what does that say about your judgment? (laughs) But of course, to ask questions like that would merely, you're just a sexist. You're just a bigot, right? Because that's the PC gene kicking in. I just wonder, like, after three years of witnessing the way Donald Trump operates, the way he plays, the fact that he doesn't adhere to what his opponents believe he should adhere to, what they've been used to for the first three quarters of the game when they were winning 40-0, scoring touchdown after touchdown after touchdown with their single play in the playbook, the PC playbook. Like, what, what is it about this guy over the last three years that indicates to you that the same strategy is going to work if you just keep doing it? <laughs> have you not seen the amount of people who have tried this and failed dismally? I mean, I mean we now have senators releasing DNA, <laughs> DNA reports <laughs> to quote-unquote prove that they are of a particular racial group to the power of one one thousandth <laughs> and they think it's a win and they still accuse him of racist attacks even though the senator may may possibly be scientifically statistically the whitest woman in America <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> and this is a point I've made before if you play the PC game if you are signed up to team PC Your only option is to talk about how gross and offensive the other person is. When porn stars are are your quarterbacks, how how the hell do you think you're winning here? How, How the hell do you think you're going to beat this guy at his own game? What indicates that there's a flaw in this strategy over the last three years? And I made something that other people have pointed out today. Stormy Daniels raised about half a million dollars for, you know, GoFundMe or something, you know, takedownthepresident.com or some shit. I don't know. I don't know. But the judge actually ordered Stormy Daniels to pay Donald Trump's legal fees. So so all of the people that donated to Stormy are going to be putting money in the, in the pockets of Donald Trump's lawyers. And then he follows up that news by jumping on, yeah, I'm going to go after Horseface and a two-bit third-rate lawyer. Come at me, bro. (laughs) And of course, they take the bait. They can't help themselves. Donald Trump's interactions with people who would be would be opponents of his over the last three years has been a study of people lacking the self-awareness to avoid getting roped in to the battle that he can only win. There's no way he's losing in a in a slanging match on Twitter. No way at all. Like, at the point that you start typing your response, and it's along these lines, oh, the hatred of women and stuff, the memes are already set. The memes are already out there. They're already flying. Before you've even hit post. And there's nothing you can do about it, except disengage. But they haven't figured that out yet. Maybe they never will. I don't know. 
he's not going to stop. He's not going to slow down. He's not going to just one day turn around and apologize. And every time you try to, you know, play his game, you're going to lose. Inevitably. You can't win. But maybe they're just really slow learners. I'm not sure. Just got one article here that I wanted to point out from The Guardian. 3,121 desperate journeys exposing a week of chaos under Trump's zero tolerance. Well, the first thing that uh, occurred to me there in that headline was 3,121 seems like a very exact number for apparently a week of chaos. It, It seems like it was very well documented and well counted chaos. They are, of course, talking about um, in April when a bunch of illegal immigrants tried to gain access to the United States and there were many people who were arrested and turned back and, of course, this started the media stories about, you know, the famous children being locked in cages. But just wanted to highlight a couple of paragraphs here that I found interesting. One of the bullet points presented here is, quote, sentence lengths for migrants charged with the same crimes vary dramatically depending on the state where they were arrested. And I thought, why is that new? Of course that's not news. Don't states still have the rights to govern themselves to an extent in the United States in the tradition of competitive federalism? It sounds like The Guardian is advocating for a more federalised... mode of doing things legally, which of course doesn't surprise me. But here's another line. Uh, Quote, the court documents shine a spotlight on the migrants' perilous journeys and the extreme lengths immigration enforcement goes to intercept them. So you see, the migrants' journey is not extreme. The action that they are taking is not extreme. To attempt to enter a country illegally, no, that's perilous. The, The border the border security doing their job and literally upholding American law and attempting to stop as many people as they possibly can from breaking the law by, i.e., entering the country illegally, this is an extremity. This is an extreme thing to do. Do you see the the juxtaposition with the language when applied to the, the specific target group? Migrants, and it's, it's not, you know, illegal immigrants, it's not aliens, it's migrants denoting some kind of official status, even though we know that's not the case. Their perilous journey and the immigration enforcement, well, they, they go to extreme lengths to interrupt this quote-unquote perilous journey. Here's the next line. They also reveal the lack of documentation created when children were torn away from families at the point of arrest, a shocking omission. Now, I'm sure you've heard this uh, line before, and this is a great example of it. Lack of uh, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Just because there is, uh, you know, just because there is no documentation the, the, the Guardian is actually making the argument that because there is no documentation or a lack of documentation, 
around children being torn away from families, this is actually evidence that children were torn away from families. You know, you've heard some of us speak about it before. Like, if you think using logic here and evidence is going to make a difference in some people's opinions, you're very much mistaken. They are literally saying that the lack of evidence is evidence of the crime, the quote unquote, the so called crime, the perceived crime. Next line, four months after thousands were charged, only 23 individuals continue to fight their cases. The overwhelming majority have pleaded guilty, and only one case has actually gone to trial where the defendant was found guilty. The inference here being that because everybody has pled guilty, that the system is unfair. Like this is some kind of scheme. Because the very next line is a quote from Cesar Pierce, who is a defense attorney in New Mexico. He says, I don't think this is really about justice anymore. Justice really factors very little into it. Now, if we introduce maybe a touch of logic into this, we might say people were caught trying to enter the country illegally. How how the hell are they going to plead not guilty? (laughs) I'm sorry. Like... If you were caught coming over the southern border without papers in an illegal fashion and you were arrested and then charged with entering the country illegally, how are you going to plead not guilty to that if you're a citizen of another country and not a citizen of the United States and you have no paperwork to say that you're allowed to enter the United States? How can you plead not guilty? So it makes sense to me that the overwhelming majority have pled guilty to this. That, that makes total logical sense. But in the eyes of publications like The Guardian, this is evidence of immigration enforcement officials going to extreme lengths to cut people off amid a perilous journey. And the lack of documentation that's created when children are allegedly torn away from families is evidence of how many children were torn away from their families. And how, what extreme lengths the government will go to to cover it up. And this is how you use contrary evidence, apply a little bit of spin to it, and, ha- and spit out something that actually seeks, you know, appears to help your cause rather than hurt it. Using the same evidence. Like I've, I've made the argument before on various shows. It, when we discuss fake news, it's not, it's not about saying everything that's said here is real or everything that's said here is fake. A good writer can take four or five facts and write two different articles using those same four or five facts, and one can be pro an argument and one can be against an argument. It's all about how those facts are used. It's all about how truths are mixed with half-truths. And it's all about the story you use in between those facts to get to a specific conclusion at the end. Fake news, I think, is less just discounting an entire source and more about understanding the nuance that writers use in order to create a, you know, and leave an emotional impression on the audience and their target audience to, to make their, the conclusion that they put forward more plausible than it otherwise would be if you analyse the writing with a critical eye. 
So I'll leave that in the show notes as well. Thanks for joining us, guys. Looking forward to more Stormy. I'm sure Stormy Daniels won't be getting off Twitter anytime soon. I'm sure Michael Avenardi will be doing the rounds on CNN and MSNBC after this <laughs> horrendous defeat. <laughs> because that's another rule. You never acknowledge your opponent's victory. You never do that when you're playing the PC game. You just continue to roll on and push on like it never happened. Never ever acknowledge what your opponents do to the positive. Maybe a lot of the frustration around Donald Trump from his opponents right now is the fact that he plays the game in a way that they wish they only could. It's like he read the playbook, studied it, and figured out the perfect strategy to score the winning touchdown right at the end of the game. Guys, if you want to keep in touch, please do so at Bookie Bumper. If you want to become a supporter of the show, please do so on Patreon, the Boogie Bumper. Forward, patreon.com forward slash the Boogie Bumper, pardon me. And if you want to support the show, please hit subscribe on your podcast player. Until next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. See you soon. Bye-bye.